<clears throat> Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. Hope everyone is doing well and excited for this week's episode with Jay Ullman, who is the recruiting coordinator at Tulane University. Jay has been uh, coaching college baseball for over 25 years, various levels. He's been at Oregon, he's been at Nevada, been at the JUCO level. Now he's at Tulane, so some very good programs. And he is the recruiting coordinator at Tulane. So a lot of what we're talking about in today's episode is based upon recruiting. So if that's something that you're interested in, then I would uh, recommend you stick around because he gives some great information on not just only how they do recruiting at Tulane, but how recruiting is done at various other colleges too. So great content. I appreciate Jay for coming on. Actually had a a few people reach out and recommend that I get Jay on the podcast. I actually had a few players this past year in the Orioles organization who I coached who spoke really highly of him and and enjoyed their time at Tulane. Um, For parents who are listening to this podcast, head on over to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash develop and that's where I'll be putting out a lot of content, digestible content. That way you'll be able to help out your own kid when it comes to hitting, development, recruiting. So all parents who are listening to this, patrickjonesbaseball.com slash develop. And if you put in your information there, that's where I'll be sending out a lot of a lot of digestible content on different ways that you can help out um, your kid when it comes to hitting and recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Driveline Plus. Driveline Plus is a growing library of the best information on player development. Members will find how-tos on baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus using the coupon code JONES25. That's JONES25 for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. Hope you guys do that. Parents, again, make sure to head out over to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash develop, and that way you'll have access to a lot of the content that I'll be putting out specifically geared towards you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Jay Ullman. All right, we now welcome on Jay Ullman, who's the recruiting coordinator at Tulane University on the podcast. Jay, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it, man. So first first question right off the bat, what's your favorite thing about New Orleans? Oh, it's got to be the food. No question. How often do you go out and and about and get some good food down there? Well, I have five people in my tribe, so to speak. So three, three little ones and my wife. So I, I kind of joke, it's kind of like Costco. You're, you walk in the door to a restaurant, it's like a hundred dollars minimum. So uh, I'm not as much as I want to, but uh, when we do, uh, it, it never disappoints. So you've been a recruiting coordinator. I know you have seen, you know, you have, you have really just a lot of coaching experience in general, but as a recruiting coordinator, obviously you're out on the road a lot. You're watching a lot of players, but you're also coaching You're throwing BP. You're working with players. What would you rather be doing? Would you rather be on the road recruiting or on a field coaching? Ooh, 
Um, well, certainly recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. Um, but the, I think the thing that drives a lot of us, uh, quote, lifers um, is the are the relationships, you know, it's the getting in the cage with them and being out there standing behind them and, and communicating with them on, you know, on defense and their techniques, um, uh, fielding and, and what have you. And just those relationships really are the things that drive. And it doesn't always mean it's a lifelong relationship in terms of consistent communication, but while you're in it with them, um, just to watch their growth and their development, those, those are the biggest rewards. Um, you know, and you could make a, a counterpoint to the recruiting piece that says like, okay, I get this great recruit and that's a re reward too. And it is, um, but I've been doing this long enough to know that uh, I'm going to tell you my crystal ball sucks. Uh, I've been wrong a whole lot more than I've been right. And so, um, you know, guys that I thought were going to be really good uh, for the program I was in at the time, sometimes that, those guys don't pan out. And, and, and the guy that um, was eager and maybe wasn't on as big a uh, athletic scholarship as somebody else ends up being a big leaguer. So you just never know. And that's kind of really the cool thing. So I, I think ultimately I would choose the coaching part and the relationship part uh, over the recruiting piece for sure. When you say you have missed out on guys, reflecting back, has there been a, a red flag that jumped out as to why it didn't work? Um, I, I think a lot of times the finances are, are really the driving force. Um, and I think secondarily is uh, the staff makeup and status of the staff, meaning, um, you know, are you, is your head coach a young guy? Is your head coach an old guy? Um, do you have a track record of development? I think all those things matter, uh, you know, and, and as a recruiter, I could do a great job and build a great relationship with the kid and the family, and they trust me, which certainly is important, uh, and they believe my propaganda, um, which all of us uh, deal in propaganda, you know, because like I tell these uh, young men, it's like, I'm trying to get you to say yes, you know, and so I'm going to tell you all the great things about Tulane or, you know, whatever program I've been at, I'm going to tell you why you should be here, and that's part of my job is to get a yes, um, but at the end of the day, all that stuff's just propaganda until you actually have your feet immersed in the environment and you realize like, okay, that really wasn't propaganda. He was, he was truthful. You know, it, it is more of what he was saying than less of what he was saying. And, um, you know, I, I think those, those things are, um, those things are challenging, you know, and so, um, you just try to do your very best and, and, and be as honest as you can in those situations. You, you've coached a, a lot of, of major league baseball players, a lot of professional players, a lot of success. When you look back at when you were maybe recruiting those guys, I mean, what stands out? And I asked this, I was, you know, I helped out with the draft the last couple of years with the Orioles and you watch videos of Mookie Betts in high school and some of these <laughs> other guys in high school and you're like, what? Yeah. Like that, I mean, it's so freaking hard, but so was there anything that stands out to you when you look back at those guys in high school who ended up playing the big leagues? Whew. Uh, I wish it was that easy. And I agree with you hundred um, percent. You know, there's, you go back and look at those, uh, those videos of when they're in high school and you you just, you marvel at like, wow, that's just okay. Bat speed or, you know, that's just an okay technique or arm or, you know, everybody's development's different. But I think the one thing that kind of stands out for me as they move forward is, is the personal standards uh, with which these guys hold themselves to the, the competitiveness and, 
I think you have to watch guys a long time and we don't have a long time in the recruiting game. You know, we only get a certain amount of time and we have to be a lot of different places and see a lot of different people. And, um, you know, and we only have uh, three total recruiters, you know, as opposed to football, which is like a staff of 10 and they're all out recruiting. So uh, it's hard to really bear down on these guys uh, for any length of time. And I think that's where you see really kind of where the rubber meets the road, the guys that are competitive, the guys that engage in their teammates, the guys that have a, a pure joy and passion for playing that you see them out there. It's not them playing for their parents because their parents have dumped all this money in, uh, into their development, which you need, you know, as an elite level athlete, you need the support of those around you. But I think a lot of guys get lost on the way because it it's not about uh, the development and the passion and the joy. And I really love doing this, even when it sucks, you know, it's cold or I'm, I'm hot or this is the third game and, you know, uh, in a day or the, you know, the fifth game in three days, and I'm really tired and I'd rather be doing something else, but those guys persevere. Um, those are, those to me are the guys that end up making it. And certainly, um, you're going to need some skill sets. You're going to need to have some Twitch and there's going to need to be a little bit of aspect of, uh, speed, um, you know, and things of that nature, but you just, um, I think really the standard that these guys hold themselves to is really ultimately what, what separates them from the guys that, that don't make it. And, um, you know, that's, I wish I really had a great answer, but that's kind of one I stick to. Yeah. That's the, I mean, it's, it's a hard question. No, no doubt about it. I know from, I haven't coached in college, but I know you just from the, the NCA rules on how often you guys can practice, you know, you don't have a ton of time with, with these guys, especially in the fall, for example. So how do you get a player to elevate their standard, right? How do you get, how do you help get a player to, you know, they're, they don't, you want them to have that standard of those big leaguers that you're talking about, because in the end, that's going to help out Tulane university baseball program. So how do you go about doing that? Well, I think it starts with communication. Um, I think it's, uh, I think you start holding them to a standard that you, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. And I think as a coaching staff, the three of us combined, it's, it's like 60 plus years of college baseball coaching experience from high school all the way up to division one, you know? And so I think our value as a staff comes from our, our vast experience and just knowing what those guys look like when they come in, knowing what they look like when they leave, knowing how they think, knowing how they talk to themselves, um, just knowing how they're motivated and how they they go about their business. And and I think early on when, when they're young, uh, guys don't have routines, guys don't have uh, they think going into, you know, hitting a facility for, for 30 minutes is, is really working or taking 30 ground balls is really working. Uh, and, you know, at the time for them, it probably really is. But our role in this is we're vehicles and resources for these guys. And it is about the player hundred percent of the time, every day of the week. And so our ability to tell them like, Hey man, that's not what it looks like. Or, Hey, you know, this guy did this and this guy's in the big leagues, you know, these, these guys work like it's going to take this, this, and this, you know, and whatever this means, you know, and it is arbitrary because every guy is different. Um, but the thing that I do know, um, the development side is, is that they're going to have to put in the work. They're hundred percent responsible for their development, uh, personally. And again, we're just, we're just there to be available, throw and talk them through it and, you know, encourage them when they're, um, when maybe they, 
take a right when they should have gone straight, you know, and just like, Hey man, come on. Like this, this isn't it. Like this is what you need to do. I'm noticing this. And just that open line of communication where you can tell them like, dude, I need this from you. Cause you're right now, you're not doing that, you know? And, and I, I think that's really important. And so for them to have an idea of what that, what that course to development looks like, they need guys that have seen those guys do that and that experience to be able to do that. And, and um, you know, for me, uh, being able to help them on that journey is just is part of the, again, relationship over recruiting, coaching over recruiting for me. Absolutely. What would you say the bit, one of the biggest misconceptions about the college recruiting process that's out there? Um, I, I still think a lot of people out there think that, players are getting full scholarships like football and basketball. Uh, I think there's a huge misconception uh, in terms of how little money guys are actually getting or are on uh, and how much of the financial burden is on the backs of the families uh, of, of baseball families. It's just, it's what it is. So that, that's, that's the one I would say is the, is the financial implications of playing division one or division two uh, division three, NAI, any of those kinds of things. It's, it's not understanding how that works because, um, there, you know, now with, and travel ball is great and it serves a great purpose and there's great men that are, you know, leading these charges and, you know, and some that maybe aren't, but, um, you know, you're paying a lot of money to do these things so that, you know, you get a sense of entitlement when you're paying for something, you think you're going to get something, you know, and so it doesn't always work that way. And, and, to understand that, like, look, you're you're putting all these resources into certain things, and the return on that investment is not necessarily going to be um, your college baseball scholarship, but it's going to be um, the investment in the education where you're going. It's going to be the investment in your development of the people your son's going to be surrounded by for you know one, two, three, four, five. Heck, in COVID years, six, seven years. You know, <laughs> so I think those are the returns on the investments, and and I think the sooner that, and the earlier that people understand that, uh, you can get past the, Oh, well, my, you know, the only value that you'll have for my son is if he's on 70% or what, you know, I don't go by percentages. I don't, I don't, I don't like it cause it's all different, but you know, uh, you'll pay me more cause you value me more. That's not in the business world. That's how that works. But when you're dealing with the salary cap, yeah. uh, you, you got, you know, you got certain, uh, budget criteria to fill in certain positions and, you may be late to the party or you may be early to the party. I just, I think finding that fit and understanding, like it's not about, uh, it is about the finances, but it's not about the finances. So um, making sure that what you're paying for, um, there's value in what you're paying for. And if there's not, then have the courage to stand tall and, and hang in there until something that fits your criteria a little better comes around. Wouldn't you also, I mean, I get another question, just follow up on that. Isn't there also help when it comes to like academics and if they have like good grades and they're able to like put a plan together, certain schools, is that true? Yeah, no, it is. Um, and, and that's um, one thing the NCAA has um, kind of made a little bit better here recently, but you know, it still goes, uh, it still goes hand in hand with uh, the institutions have to have uh, institutional financial aid. Um, and then, you know, they've got to divvy it up in a way that's uh, beneficial for the kids too. So not all are created equal. There's some schools that do a, a marvelous job with that and, and really, 
um, reduce the, the out-of-pocket cost to families. And then there's some, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of different places and some do it way better than others, you know? And so um, I, I think, again, going into it, I think my encouragement to families is always um, hope for money, but go into your decision-making process that there's not going to be any academic money. Gotcha. So how would it, how would it work? Right. For example, I have like, you know, Hudson Haskin or, um, you know, somebody like that Colin Burns and I say like, okay, I, Jay, I, I have the, the next Hudson Haskin or Colin Burns with me. Yeah. What, what, what's the next step? I just, I would reach out and text you or message you, and then you would go and see them in the summer. Like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah, so uh, my, my thing is always, you know, when you, call or text me about a guy, I want, I want the kid's information so I can, you know, send them uh, a generic um, form letter or email or text that, you know, that has a link to the questionnaire and a camp Um, because I want to do my due diligence. And, um, you know, I certainly understand that um, sometimes those are going to be cold, cold follows that they're, it's not worth my time or that's not a fit. And then there's going to be some that, uh, are really worth my time. And so I always try to value that part of that, not only um, from from me to a potential student athlete, but also from the person giving me that information. I'm trying to foster relationships too with people that might have players for us. Um, and they're not always, it's not always going to work out. Um, but I think the follow-up piece of that is really important. And it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to do that when you're talking about you know, a million different travel uh, entities and high school coaches, and you got a lot of, um, a lot of different leads. And so I'm not perfect with that. um, But I try to do my very best to at least there's some sort of initial contact, like, Hey, send me his contact. And could you have him reach out to, especially if he's not of age, can you have him, you know, reach out and and call me because I can't initiate contact, but I can pick up the phone. So it's always going to be uh, on the backs of the the younger ones to facilitate the relationship building, at least the the initiation of that. Um, and then my responsibility is going to be to pick up the phone when those kids call. And and then you know a lot of times I'll know right away just talking to the kid he's our kind or he's not. Um, and 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 that's different for everywhere. You know some some programs. Uh, personality uh, is not a huge deal uh, in our program. It is, you know, and, and everybody doesn't have to be the same. Uh, I'm not saying that. Um, And I do understand as young players, uh, a lot of them have never talked to a a, a college recruiting coordinator. So I, I typically drive the conversation early in the relationship and I tell them that. And then I tell them like, look, I'm not trying to talk your ear off. I, I want to hear about what you did or what you're doing and what are you working on in the cage or what are you doing in your flat grounds? Like, are you building up? Where are you at in your pitch count? You know, are you sequencing just stuff? Like I'm ask them questions and how about mom and dad, where they go to school, brothers, sisters, just trying to get that kind of information and have a two-way conversation eventually. And instead of just me talking the whole time, but I do understand again, personalities are different. And so I do give the benefit of the doubt. And as you move forward, you kind of decide like this kid's going to fit in here or he's not. Uh, and then I want video, you know, uh, because I can't get out until March 1st. And uh, as I said earlier in, uh, with you in this uh, zoom call, I, I'm one person and there's a million different things going on and it's, 
2D and PG and PBR and, you know, uh, <laughs> program 15. And I mean, you just go on and on and on with all the things out there that these, these guys have the opportunity to do. So if I can see that on video, it's one swing, two swings, three pitches and a pen, I can see how the kid moves, you know, I can, is it athletic? Um, uh, just what does it look like? Uh, that that's really important. And I think the other part, the bridge, uh, that I'm able to kind of bridge the gap is on the relationship part. Like I'm invested in what the kid's doing. I'm seeing what he's doing. It's not just me guessing what he looks like. And, and the kid knows I'm looking at him, you know, and I can see him. And so, um, I, I want that. They can't bore me with video. I want, I want to see it. Uh, and I want to be able to share that with our staff too. So, you know, it's, it's that initial contact stuff. I need the contact information. Give me some video, have the kid call me. Uh, and then from there, my, your job's pretty much over. Um, now, you know, if, if I'm having a hard time, you know, having the kid reach out to me, I'll reach out to you, be like, Hey, uh, I haven't heard from the kid. Can you have him give me a call? You know? And, and so as kids start to kind of filter away from communicating with you, you get a better idea of like, they're not really interested. They are, but they're not. It's kind of cool, but it's not. Um, you know, I know I know when a kid wants to come here versus when I'm going to have to, you know, pull some teeth or you know do those kind of things to get him to get him in the boat. Um, you know, and it's just that's just an experience factor. What well, What would you say to someone who, like for example, they they want to go to Tulane, they want to play there. Um, you know, maybe they, they just can't get in contact with you just because you have, you get so many emails and blown up. I mean, are, are you, when you go and watch a game, are you going to watch specific players? And then is it still like where you go and watch a specific player, but someone else jumps out at you and you start recruiting them? Like, does that still happen these days? It does. Um, but I would say with the amount of technology that's available in the communication lines, the vast majority of my organizational strategy when it comes to getting out and recruiting is going to be from people like you uh, that tell me about a kid and, uh, and then I figure out where he's at and then I'm going to that event. Um, if it's a national event or if it's an event that's got a lot of different organizations that I have relationships with or that I know are really good uh, organizations and I don't have any history or I don't have any leads, uh, and I need to see a guy a few times, or I need to see a handful of guys a few times, then what I'm, what my, uh, role is then is to reach out, you know, there's a whole schedule. It's from like 8am to, you know, 10 at night, you know? And so I'm mapping out, you know, kind of my, my schedule for each and every day based on players. I need to see arms. I need to see pitch when they're going to pitch. And, you know, so it's this whole balancing act of, okay, I know Patrick's starting in this game. And he's at field three and then Jay's over here playing uh, on field six. So like when he's pitching, I'm watching. Then when he goes in the dugout, I go over to field six and I'm watching the guy take grounders or catch or hit. And then I'm coming back, you know, so you, you get used to an ebb and a flow of how, you know, the timing of games and stuff like that. So you really try to maximize your time. And I always tell people, you know, I think the, the misconception of uh, college coaches is like, Oh, he was there, but he wasn't really watching. Now, for some, I'm, that might be accurate, um, but for the vast majority of us, 
Um, it's a skill to be on the phone or to be at field five and pretend like I'm watching field five, but I'm really watching field six because I don't want this school over here to know that I'm watching this guy. I'm not trying to, you know, burn the bushes to let everybody know I'm watching this guy, you know, so there's, there's some cat and mouse to our, our situation too. So, uh, I think as you get older in this game, you, you learn, uh, you learn how to, um, multitask at the highest levels, uh, on the phone or on your Twitter or on your, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm watching a, uh, I'm watching a game, but I'm also on my phone. I've got, uh, you know, diamond cast, or I've got something where I'm still watching some other guys that I, you know, they're pitching at the same time. So I'm checking velo. Is he throwing strikes? Is he getting it? Maybe they've got video attached to that. I'm watching that too. So just a lot of different things that, that go on with that. So, but to try to answer your question, I would say, again, vast majority of these things will be leads. And then uh, from there, it's just, I'm trying to pick the teams that I have relationships with and ones that have uh, uh, great reputations that I know. And, and uh, sometimes you get lucky and you stumble upon a guy that's on a team that you had no idea. And so you develop a new relationship and that's kind of the cool part of that. Does it matter where the player lives in regards to New Orleans? Not Not for us. No, not, you know, with an $80,000 price tag, you pretty much, uh, I can't fish in my, my own pond, uh, exclusively. Um, now I will, uh, pretty frequently. Um, but it's a, it's a national deal. It's, I just, I, it's, it's too expensive and uh, it's a private institution. And and there's a lot of people that like the academic piece that that goes with the baseball piece. So that's one of the cool things, uh, is the, the national recruiting part of that. What would, how, how would it work with if a particular player or a school is, you know, like let's say he's a um, freshman pitcher, for example, or are you guys actively recruiting eighth and ninth graders? It uh, depends on what you uh, classify as uh, actively recruiting. Yeah, maybe uh, that was a bad question. No, 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 that's okay. Rules. There's rules, right? You can't really. Well, yeah, there's, there's rules, but I, I just, I was actually just going to respond to that more in terms of, actively recruiting, like spending a majority of my time watching and developing relationships. Um, I would say right now, uh, I'm not in that space. Now, I do try to um, make sure I'm aware, like, you know, I'll follow, uh, you know, 25s and 26 on Twitter, because you'll get the video that comes with that. And, you know, uh, people promoting those uh, young men as well. And so I want to be in the know that way. Um, but at the same time, you, you kind of have to, you have to have a high standard. Like I'm, I'm not just trying to take a player because he, he can come to Tulane or, um, yeah, he's, he's not good enough for this school, but he's good enough for your school. Like I, I don't subscribe to that. Like I want the best player. Um, and so, um, I'm, I have confidence in what we have to offer in all three phases, academic, our program, our development. Um, so, I feel like we can go up against anyone and and I will do that. Um, And then there becomes a point where I know like, okay, clearly I'm not one of the top three choices for this kid. I've got to, you know, I've got to not necessarily move on, but I've got to triage this and move on to the guys that I know um, that I, that we really like that we're going to have a a legit chance to land. So uh, always trying to keep my eye on in the future, uh, but also trying to really make sure um, that I'm strengthening the things, the classes that we have coming in within the next year or two, uh, you know, and constantly uh, monitoring those things too, because 
everything's fluid. You know, guys get hurt and guys don't get into school and guys decide they don't want to come or guys leave your program because they're not playing. So things that you think that you don't need uh, in a year may end up to be something that you definitely need. So uh, not really necessarily done recruiting in current classes, uh, but certainly starting to move, you know, the needle down to the younger, uh, the younger ones right now, for sure. So the majority of your time won't be spent probably at the 2023 class, right? This the 17 U this summer. Would you say by that time, the majority of the, the higher level D1 kids, even some, they, that's pretty much set in stone? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that the vast majority of us will probably be, again, in the phase I talked about, which is like monitoring and like, okay, is this guy better than what we have? Can we improve our team if this guy shows up? Like, not just taking guys to, you know, take guys and then cut guys because, oh, well, we'll see if you're good enough and then we'll whack you if you're not, you know, trying to you know, trying not to do that deal uh, is, is important to us. And so now it's unavoidable. You're going to, you're going to have messy conversations and things like that. But I think ultimately uh, operating from a stance, I try to operate from a stance that, um, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to, to limit that kind of damage, knowing that that damage is, is going to happen. Cause it's just, it's, part of what we do. It's part of our business. Um, when you say yeah. part, of, part of it, you mean just you offering a kid maybe as a freshman and then and saying, you, Hey man, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to pay, you know, let, let's, let's call it, I give him 20 grand and he's got to come up with 60 and, you know, me telling him like, look, I just don't see this right now. You haven't developed, you're going to pay 60 grand to come to school here. You're going to move across the country. Like, I don't feel good about that. We need to help you find another place. You know, those kind of things. Those are the things that that happen, uh, that you try to really, um, I I try to really limit as best I can. And, but knowing that those things are going to happen, that's, that's, again, that's, that's part of what we all sign up for. And it's the obligation the player has to continue to develop and get better. And, you know, again, crystal balls, mine sucks and I'm going to miss, I'm going to, I'm going to miss a lot. And hopefully I'm going to be right. Some and going to develop some and, and those kind of things. But, um, but back to the original question, you know, for me that I would say the 22 and 23 class for the, for a lot of us are uh, kind of at the tail end where you're trying to maybe plug in some, some holes that you, you may have based on what you saw this fall and what uh, not only in your own program, the guys that are in it, but the guys that are in that class as well within the classes that are coming up in that 22 and 23, and then really trying to um, you know, get yourself moving on, you know, the 24s and the 25s and being aware of those guys that are coming up through the eighth grade and, you know, the marquee level guys, you know, cause, um, I mean, it's an eighth grader for God's sakes. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. What, what's a typical day like for you in the summertime? Hmm. Um, I would say bright and early, uh, you know, it's get up, um, get some coffee. Uh, hopefully the night before I've, I've done my, my work on where I need to be and what time I need to be and, uh, what my schedule is going to look like. And then it's, you know, it's in that rental car and it's on, you know, it's onto a field somewhere. And, you know, for the most part, uh, it's a lot of the events that are attended are going to be all day affairs. So you're there from, you know, 7am or 7.30am to, you know, sometimes 10, 11 at night, you know, and, and for me, uh, I think, uh, 
in your young day, in my young days, I think it was, it was easy to just be like, man, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'll catch this guy tomorrow. Um, but the places I ended up working that a place like Oregon, uh, Kansas, Tulane, where you are recruiting nationally, you may never see that kid again the rest of the summer. So if I have the opportunity uh, to stay till 11 p.m. because I'm going to see this third at bat and it might be the last at bat I get to see, um, I need to do that, you know, no matter what that what that takes. And, and that's difficult and challenging because you've been on your feet all day and you've been eating probably ballpark food or you've been lucky to get something to eat in your car on the way to a different field. And so, um, you know, it's just it's it's a full time job, you know, and that's a salary job. It's not a nine to five. And so uh, how we're going to be is how we're going to make it, you know, and, and if we're going to work part time, it's going to be part time. So uh, really just trying to um, you know, be organized and, 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 uh, you know, just really nail a full day. And that's what they are. They're full days. And, you know, it's not like it's in, uh, you know, 68 or 71 degree weather either. You know, you're talking about, uh, really, um, being as a, as a profession, pretty tough minded group. I mean, we're, you're dealing with the humidity and it's a hundred degrees or it's 80 degrees with full humidity. And, um, in Arizona or Florida or Georgia or, you know, the Northeast or Texas or wherever it is, um, you know, the players and the families, they go for two games and it's like, Oh, we got to play two games in this seat. And I just giggle to myself. It's like, dude, we're doing this all day long, like eight games <laughs> worth, you know, and you get to get to the air conditioner in the pool and, you know, we're sitting out here, um, doing our job. So, and, and it's great job. I'm, I'm, that's not a complaint. That's, it's just a fact of what it is. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a great job. It's a, it's a really fun job. So I, I, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. How many games on average do you watch a player before you're willing to offer him? Mm, sometimes none. I'm being really? honest. Sometimes none. Um, Was that, would that mainly be for just pitchers though? It would mainly be for a guy that like, it's a video. It's guys you trust. It's a, Hey, just take this guy sight unseen. Those are going to be small percentage guys. Um, like really small, there's going to have to be a lot of history between me and whoever's recommending. Um, and then of course, trying to, you know, if I don't see them, let me get on, let me get on the video. Let me see what their history of success is. Um, but those are the few and the far betweens. Um, the vast majority of the guys uh, you're going to need to see, and you got to see them, um, because you want to see them interact with their teammates. You want to see them when they come off the field, when uh, they're getting smashed in an outing or they punched out for the third time of the game. You want to, you just want to kind of see their competitiveness and, you know, I uh, certainly don't want to see dudes throwing their, their bats and their helmets and stuff, but don't want guys like, Hey, it's okay. I struck out three times like that. That's Running not cool the either, <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you, you just kind of want to see their makeup, you know, and, and their interactions and their personalities and that's hot. Are they, you know, are they, are they hiding? Are they out there, you know, still playing like it's uh, not hot and you just, just stuff. Uh, and I, and I want to see it when it's against good pitching and I want to see it against bad pitching and when they're challenged or when they're, not only challenged on the field, but challenged by a coach or challenged by another team for that matter. You know, um, do they crawl in a hole or do they get their chest out and get after it? So uh, I really try not to uh, offer guys that I haven't seen, um, but I would be lying to you if I said that I hadn't done that because I have. Um, but like I said, the vast majority of the guys, uh, I'm, I, we have to see. You just, 
you have to. It's like buying a house that you never saw. You know, it's you're you're rolling the dice, you know, and, and you're setting yourself up for that thing I talked about that you're trying to to limit, which is uh, telling guys after you've committed them that they can't come. You know that. Yeah. You know, and yeah, there, no might, there might than, be like you know there might be mold in that house if you never checked it out or inspected it. And there's in the in the same as on the flip side for the player, they commit to you, but all of a sudden uh, somebody more sexy out there that they think's more sexy or a logo's more sexy and. Uh, and they decommit from you and they go somewhere else. Those things happen. Uh, and you know, those, those are part of, those are part of the things that we sign up for. And, and I, and I've, I really, the older I've gotten, uh, the better I've got at, um, just being like, okay, you don't want to come here. Fine. You know, it's like, we can't, we can't go around, uh, whacking guys and then get all pissed when, um, a kid tells us he wants to decommit, you know, I'm certainly going to, you know, try to, ascertain why and uh hey like did we do something wrong like what's going on you know and, and trying to listen to what he says but you know at the end of the day somebody's not going to tell you the reason they're leaving you know they're just they're just going to say oh it's not in my heart or you know i don't feel good or i just i committed too early you know it's it's going to be those things so you just take that for what it's worth and you, you just move on and um get after the guys that want to be in the place that you're at because uh, wherever you are, uh, you know, I was in the Northwest for 10 years. And if you're going to, uh, if you're going to get to a place and, uh, not be, you know, you're going to be one foot in one foot out and it's going to be raining and it's going to be cold in November, January, February, March, April, and, uh, that's not going to make you happy. Then you're, you're not going to flourish. You're not going to be bought in. You're not going to fight through the tough times. And so, uh, Ultimately, you need to get the guys that really want to be where they're at uh, so that they can thrive and, and stick through the good and the bad. Do you think college coaches, at least at the bigger schools, get a bad rap for over recruiting and bringing in big classes? Um, yes. Like you think it's no. unjustified or? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I think it's incredibly. And now, the cool thing for me is I've, I've been at all different levels. I've, I've been in high, I've been a high school coach, a junior college head coach. Uh, I've been at the University of Nevada, Kansas, Oregon, now Tulane. So I've, I've been at a, a smorgasbord of places that require different things and have different challenges. And so I think when I was younger, uh, working at a place like Nevada, uh, I would get confused as to guys over committing, like, why are you cutting guys? Like you should have to develop those guys. You signed them, you should keep them. Uh, but when you get in an environment where you're sitting at that table and you're making more than the guys that are complaining about that and your livelihood and your family's livelihood is going to depend on you winning. Um, I think I, I understand that stance a whole lot more, um, because I don't, I think if it's egregious, I think if you're if you're taking 30 guys and throwing them all to wall and seeing who sticks, uh, that's probably not a place I'm going to send my son. But if you're doing your due diligence and developing relationships and you know who you have, who you don't have, who you trust, who you believe in that are on your is in your current program um, and you know who's going to help you like I you I don't know what school Y is doing. I don't know what their personnel is. I don't know how those personalities fit. I don't know their situations. So I can't, I can't condemn them for trying to make their programs better. Like, so I think there is a, there is a, um, an unfair kind of way people look at the over recruiting piece. 
it's just, it is what it is, you know? And, and I, and I think the vast, the 99% of us out there, wherever we are, we're trying to do the very best we can to be honorable. Uh, I really believe that, um, you know, and, and sometimes uh, the bad ones screw it up for everybody else, but um, you know, the draft affects a lot of things. Now that that's going to change some because it went from 40 to 20, you know, and then two years ago, it went all the way to five rounds. So, um, you know, the big boys, they're going to be in there toe to toe with guys that are going to get drafted and aren't going to be there. So I always, here's what I would, here's what I would tell families, be less worried about the people they have than what you could do for them. Because I always go to this, if the Dodgers draft you, Patrick, or the Orioles draft you, they're not going to stop drafting outfielders or catchers or shortstops or pitchers like their jobs. Aren't, they're going to keep drafting more like you. Uh, I think you want to probably go into that situation and, and play and be a star. Well, somebody else has your position already. Your job is to go in there and get that position from them. Their, their job is to keep you from taking that. And if you take their position, you got to keep it from them. And then the next year, they're going to continue to draft guys like you in the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. And so you're going to always be in this constant state of battling for your life because it is a business. And so um, I think less worried about what's going on and more worried about how you're going to how you're going to compete. And so uh, if, if you don't want to go into a situation that's, you know, got a 25 man recruiting class, then you need to be able to be strong enough to go like, yeah, that's a sexy uniform and that's a sexy logo but man, I, I need to get to a place that's maybe got a, a few less guys, um, just not because I'm afraid to compete, but that I just, I want, I want this, a, this kind of opportunity, but you gotta, you gotta know what you're signing up for. You're going in to take somebody's job. Somebody's coming in after you to take your job. And so, you know, just be more concerned with your development, your abilities and, you know, and, and see what happens. And, um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's some unfair uh, things that go with that. Um, just nobody knows anybody else's business, and so um, you know, just just be educated on those kind of things. So you're essentially saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm a catcher, right, and you have two catchers maybe already signed, yep. you're you're essentially saying is like, hey, don't worry about that because if you do what you're supposed to do, like that's going to be your spot. So okay. you you so think players shouldn't necessarily worry about who else is being brought in or who you have already have on the roster. In, in some ways. Yes. Because again, you don't know what you don't know necessarily the I'm going to try to have four catchers. Okay. I'm going to try to spend one full scholarship on catching. So I'm probably going to get at least one catcher a year. Now, whether that catcher is uh, a fourth catcher, because I feel good about the three guys we have, then, you know, you just, you're not sure of the roles that are there. You certainly can look online and look at the stats and see who the starter was and who the backup was and those kind of things. But I think just in terms of under, like if they, if there are six, seven catchers, that's, that's probably a red flag, you know, but at the same time, what are those seven, like are two of those guys bullpen catchers? So the, uh, the you know, the three guys competing for the job can actually uh, focus on catching and development and those kind of things. So you don't necessarily know what roles are being given to guys. Like, you know, I'll specifically recruit a guy and say, Hey man, like, don't come in here thinking that you're going to start or even be in position to get time. Like right now your role is going to be like, if you want this, you're going to come in and, and be a bullpen guy right now. So you're going to have to do a lot of the grunt work. You're going to be catching a lot and maybe not a lot of at bats. And 
So if you want this, this is what you're doing. And some guys say, no, thanks. And they move on. And that's cool. But then some guys say they want that. So I think looking at the, the composition of a roster is a little bit tricky. Uh, you know, for instance, some guys are labeled as right-handed pitcher, uh, and, but they're, they're an infielder or they're labeled as a infielder, but I'm really recruiting them as a right-handed pitcher. And I can speak to that on, you know, if you look at perfect game on, on ours and in one of our classes, there's a couple guys in there that I, that for me are going to be pitchers for us. Uh, and guys, uh, they're labeled as otherwise, you know? So I think you gotta, you kind of gotta be a little bit careful when you're, when you're looking at those kind of things, you know, I, I think the time spent, uh, the relationship built, uh, I think a track record is extremely important. You, you definitely need to educate yourself. This program's got 25 guys in each class, but like, where are the guys going that don't end up on campus? I think those are, those are, those are things that you, you know, you got to do your diligence on. And, and if you don't, and you're one of the guys that's not there in a, in a negative way, uh, then you have no one to blame but yourself. Yeah, you got to do your, your homework. And it's no different in a sense. Like, I, I'm obviously having you in my podcast. I've already talked to multiple players who I coach with the Orioles who already played for you and spoke really highly of you. So I, I already have that that context and background. It's it's probably pretty similar in the recruiting process. Now, going back to the, the dual guys, I got to follow up on that. Do, is that still a thing where you will be like, I could see this guy being a dual guy for us? Because it seems like that's that's pretty dang hard. Uh, high level baseball. Yeah, great. Well, there's only one Shohei Otani, and I yeah. and I use that in 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 when I recruit, um, you know, dual position guys. And we have uh, five here this year, uh, and in subsequent classes, we probably have two or three in each class. Now, when I'm when I'm recruiting those guys, I love the athleticism. You know, I, I love their ability to be able to do multiple things. I think that's really valuable. My stance on two-way guys is this. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be pitchers and I don't know if they're going to be hitters. What I do know is the, and this is, again, this is what I'll tell them and their families when they wonder, you can do two-way here. We're going to let you do that because there's value if you can do it. Now, the percentages say that's not going to happen, but I think the thing that really shows up is the game ends up telling these guys where they're going to be. You come in as a right-handed pitcher and you're shoving bats up, you know what, and you're dominating, but you're getting dominated and uh, in the, in the box. I think pretty quickly you're going to realize, like, okay, like I'm probably going to have a harder time as a position guy. Let me let me gravitate more to the pitching because I'm having more success there. So I think the game ultimately tells these guys which direction they need to go. And and I would I would tell you this. I, I just use a guy like Ryan Healy, uh, who is a guy we had at Oregon. Uh, Coach Chekis was our recruiting coordinator at the time, uh, and I was there as a volunteer. And, you know, we thought he was going to be a pitcher over position guy first. Well, he ended up leaving our programs, the all-time home run leader and third rounder uh, for the A's as a, a corner infielder and a bat. You know, was that so, 2014? Yes. Yep. I believe that was the year I'm getting old. So my years kind of come together, but. So actually Jay, I, I faced you that year. I played at Xavier in the Vanderbilt region. Yes, you did. You guys, so that, you, you been... crushed my heart. We, <laughs> we had you guys beat and you came it's... like, we you crushed our heart. <laughs> so he was, that would have been, he was there the year before that. So it's funny that you, you so I do want to get on that, but in terms of the two way, they can do it. It's just the game's going to tell them. It's kind of the way I look at it. Okay. That you guys were really good. 
we, we, that was the Vanderbilt regional. That was coach Leggett's last year at Clemson. Yep. And we faced off against them and kind of had our way with them. And, and then we, it was, uh, uh, Fulmer and, um, I can't remember who we threw. Oh, we threw, uh, we threw Tommy Thorpe, our, our left-hander and, uh, we lost a tight one. It was like six, two, but it was, it was closer than that. And then we played you guys in the elimination game and you were beating the living hell out of us. And you were hitting like Garrett Clevenger. One of your guys hit a ball in the left, you know, left field stands against a guy that's in the big leagues for the Dodgers. Now there was a lot of big leaguers in that field and you guys were crushing us. And we got a ground ball to short that should have been turned. And the ball ended up in right field. We hit a Homer, Kyle Garlick, who's a big leaguer for Dodgers twins. He hits a Homer, Sean. Ch so we just, the wheels just totally fell off for you guys. And, and we tied it and beat you. And, um, I still, that was a total, uh, we, we totally lucked out on that. You guys were tough and competitive and I actually, uh, saw your, your former coach, uh, is at Cincinnati now. So I got a chance to speak with him about that this, this past year and, and relive that certainly good for us, not so good for him, but, um, damn, what a regional that was. Oh, and so much. I, I was, I was really playing my field. So those home runs, I wasn't watching those. You were, Nothing I could do about it. <laughs> you guys were good. And I just, that's a, that's a program that's, uh, you know, whether it's the guys there now or, um, you know, Scott before that, it's just really underrated program. I think they do a really great job in a lot of yeah, different ways. They do. They do. I got, I got a couple more questions just on the recruiting front. Um, when you're watching, going in and watching a pitcher, for example, is there a certain velocity that you need to see to offer? Um, it depends, depends on where they're at in their development and in terms of their age. Um, I want to see velocity, but uh, at the same time, I mean, if, if it's like shotgun, you know, and you can't throw strikes and command it, uh, it's, you're a development guy. And what I mean by that is like, you'll get a guy in a program or a guy you're, you'll see out on the recruiting trail and he is blessed with an unbelievable arm, but it's like, it's not dial a pitch. It's, you know, he's six foot five and he's huge and it works and it moves well, but there's just not enough strikes. That's the guy you send to development. They're like, yeah, I can, we got this guy. I like this guy. He's 96 with a slider and versus the guy that you, you, you throw in there and you draft him and he's, you know, 88, 92 and it's boring and it's three, you know, three or four pitches for strikes and you look up and your team's winning when he leaves and the development guy's like, who sent me this? I mean, this is what it is. There's no ceiling. He's a stock righty or, you know, so uh, I try to recruit to our pitching coaches uh, as much as I can. Coach Latham is, you know, fastball command, uh, got to be able to pitch a little bit backwards. Uh, you know, it's not afraid of the radar gun per se, but that's not, you know, he's not like going like sticking his chest out because we got 15 guys that throw 95 and none of them throw strikes. You know, he, he wants to be able to trust those guys were on the mound. And I do too. Like, I don't want to sit over there and be, like, damn, this guy can't throw a strike and it's 2-0 whack. There's the ball to the fence or there's the ball over the fence. And, ooh, it's 96, but it's in the other batter's box, you know. So uh, I do want to see velocity because uh, you do have to be able to get a strikeout. You do have to be able to have a strikeout pitch, uh, especially if you're in the bullpen. If you're a bullpen arm, you you better have a put-away pitch, you know. But, so you're talking um, about, like, what, what would be good velocity for you, like 90-plus? I, for, for me, I, I, I think, I mean, yes, in, in just generic terms. Yes. But I think there's so many other factors. If, um, you know, a guy's 
real velocity is 90 to 93, but he doesn't have a secondary pitch that's enough of a threat. Eventually, I'm going to get timed up and I'm going to get smashed. You know, real hitters are going to hit me and I'll, I'll have some success, you know, through a lineup that's got six outs and three hitters. I'll have some success. But I think, you know, when a guy's 89, 92, 93, 91, uh, and the threat, and I just know as a hitter, the threat of the breaking ball landing for a strike or starting as a fastball and ends up out of my visual ability to hit it and be able to swing and, and, and get good contact and smash it, um, that 89 plays up because just that little bit of hesitancy as a hitter um, can create a lot of damage that way uh, to the hitter. So. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, sure. Uh, the older they get, you know, creeping up into the nineties is going to, you know, it's going to, is going to be good, but I'm willing to take a, a chance on a guy that's maybe not as gifted velocity wise. If the arm works, it's not slow. It's got some twitch in there and it repeats and he moves well, uh, you know, the old buzzwords, he moves well and all that kind of stuff, but um, you know, repeated delivery and, and strike throwing. Cause I just feel like those guys, and maybe he's a little bit underdeveloped, you know, in terms of his strength. And he gets in our, you know, in a strength and conditioning program in college and he starts to get man strength, uh, that velocity, you can just automatically assume that velocity is going to, is going to tick up, you know, and that's how you, that's kind of how you land the diamond in the rough and the guy that, wow, he, you know, we overlooked that guy and now you've developed him into this. Well, you know, ultimately he, he developed himself into that with a little bit of our help, but uh, you know, natural growth, kind of took over too. And then from the hitting side, is it, I mean, is there a certain philosophy like, Hey, we want guys who can control the zone at the plate and then also be really good defensively too, and not be a liability. Yeah. And I, and I have bat will travel. And I think, you know, that, um, I, I think it's easy to kind of go like, okay, at this position, I need this. So like, I'm willing to kind of look to the side a little bit offensively. Um, I think, I've tried to, I still try to keep some of that, just, you know, whether it's shortstop or catch, but I just, in this game uh, with the way the bats are and, and the pitchers are gaining advantages and uh, you know, whether it be legally or illegally uh, they're still gaining advantages. And um, you know, you got to have guys that can hit, you know, uh, middle of the order bats are like Friday night starters. You know, you just, I try to, I want to try to get a guy that's uh, had a history of success that has um uh, barrel to ball skill, um, that has the ability to, um, have margin for error in a swing. Um, you know, uh, guys that, um, are, they understand their rhythm and their timing and they're not late in that and they're consistent with that. And, and they don't, they don't have to always get hits, but, um, you know, there's just a certain thing we look for the separation and the stretch, uh, you know, uh, in the move to go hit, you know, and so those things, those things matter. And then balance, you know, the, the, those just all kind of the, the general concepts of hitting the dynamic balance, you know, through the, the chin, through the belly button, through the middle of the feet and strengthen your feet. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for those things, but I'm looking for also like you can do that in batting practice, but if you get in the game and the guy starts throwing four pitches and, uh, you can't function, then, you can't, you can't function. You're going to have a hard time. And that that's the difficult part. Cause you're not necessarily able to see them do it a lot. So you do have to trust the boots on the ground that are with them in, in their, their organizations and um, in looking at their history of success. So you, you try to say, Hey, stats don't matter. And they don't really, 
Um, but certainly if I go look at your stats and you're hitting 090 in four years of perfect game, like that's a problem. That's a red yeah. flag, you know? So yeah. the history of success is going to be important uh, and who they're working with and those kind of things will be important too. Jay, this has been a lot of fun. Um, you. You know, the, the one main thing that I want to kind of want to end with is, you know, as a recruit, why, why would I want to go play at Tulane, play baseball at Tulane? Top 40 academic institution. You can do anything you want here, doctor, lawyer, financier, uh, whatever. Um, it's a 40-year decision. So it's, you know, it's it's a situation where um, it's not only the value of the degree, but it's the people you meet here. It's it's the diversity you have here. We, you know, we have kids from 20 different states, you know, and and so it's the national institution. It's not a regional institution. So our sphere of influence that our players get. Uh, they'll have contacts in Washington state and California and Massachusetts and Florida and everywhere in between. And so the ability to have a, uh, a wide expansive network as you move through your life is really important. Um, and, and that's a big value that's, you know, beyond the degree. Um, we have a, a historic baseball program. We've been to Omaha in 2001 and 2005, 30 plus big leaguers, um, we can do it here. Um, and we have done it here, been, been to the greatest show on, on dirt out there in Omaha. Um, we produce big leaguers. Like I said, we've won championships, uh, and we have a pedigree. Uh, and then the final piece is the development piece, uh, as a staff, 54 big leaguers, uh, 60 plus years of experience. Uh, and that's not to say like, Hey, it's because of coaching, our days are done. And, and I, I, this is one of my pitches. Our days are done. We're a vehicle and a resource for these kids. Uh, we want to be player centric. Um, you know, we're not here to sit behind a desk, although I am right now, uh, but we're not in school. Um, you know, so we, we want to be here for these guys as they move through their career. And so the development piece, this is why we're here. We have jobs because these kids are here. Uh, we don't have jobs because they don't come to pay to watch coaches. They don't come to pay administer watch administrators and athletic directors. They're they're coming to watch these kids play and and watch them get to the big leagues or whatever else it is that they aspire to do. So those three those three things: the academics, the baseball program, and the development most definitely are reasons you should want to come to Tulane. Outstanding, love it. And I will say I will add on the facilities you guys have are incredible. I've played mm -hmm. at Tulane when I was at Xavier. We had a three game mm -hmm. series, and the facilities are just—I mean, one of the some of the best in the nation. Thank you, appreciate yeah, that. It's great. Proud of them. Jay, appreciate this, man. A lot of fun. Um, you know, keep an eye on Burnsy for me down there working out. Um, but again, you know, I, I you know I had two players this past year with the Orioles and Delmarva for those who are listening, um, you know, Hudson Haskin, Colin Burns, both were, were high round draft picks at a Tulane and, and spoke really highly of, of not only UJ, but just of the program and the school in general. So um, again, appreciate what you're doing. Obviously the players are loving playing there and uh, you know, I'll be following along from Cincinnati this year. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate you. Really, really good to be here. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thanks for listening to this episode with Jay Ullman, who's the recruiting coordinator at Tulane University. Again, all parents who are interested in the recruiting process or players who are listening to this, make sure to head to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash develop, and I'll be sending out some recruiting tips. So patrickjonesbaseball.com slash develop for parents and players who are listening. Hope everyone enjoyed this one, and we'll see everyone next week. 